through the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14. Nathan Zonar, I think that's how you pronounce it, or Zonar, was a freshman at Eagle Rock Junior High School when he won first prize at the Greater Idaho Falls Science Fair uh, back in 1997, so it was a number of years ago. He did a study uh, in this um, in when he won the prize. I don't know how many people would be in Greater Idaho Falls. And what, there's probably three competitors? I don't know. Anyway, um, I, I'm kidding, all right? But uh, in his study, he urged people to sign a petition demanding strict control or total elimination of the chemical dihydrogen monoxide. He had good reason for this ban, and he explained it when he asked for signatures. Seven facts he shared with people in order to encourage them to be involved. First, it can cause excessive sweating and vomiting. Secondly, it's a major component in acid rain. Third, it can cause severe burns in its gaseous state. Fourth, it can kill you if accidentally inhaled. Fifth, it contributes to erosion. Number six, it decreases effectiveness of automobile brakes. That's an interesting one, isn't it? And then seven, it's been found in tumors of terminal cancer patients. He asked 50 people in his school if they would support the ban of this chemical, dihydrogen monoxide. 43 said yes. Six were undecided. Only one knew that this chemical is more commonly called water. He was attempting to show how conditioned we become to alarmists who practice junk science and spread fear of everything in our environment. The title of his prize-winning project was, How Gullible Are We? The conclusion is obvious. They say that Nathan was discouraged with what his little test indicated. He said this, I was appalled that people were so easily misled. I don't feel comfortable with the current level of understanding my peers have. Now, that story, mind you, is not an urban legend. It actually happened. And it was confirmed by James Glassman, uh, the Los Angeles Times Washington Post news service writer, uh, when he wrote an article a little bit later in that year, in October of 97. He said in his letter, in his article, our adults are just as likely to fail the test and to suggest banning the substance. Said the implications of Nathan's research are so disturbing that the use of true facts can so easily lead a scientifically and mathematically ignorant public to false conclusions. Now, I tell you, when I first read the story, I laughed at the first reading but it reveals how simple and how foolish people can be. By the way, that's exactly what has happened with the COVID stuff. It really is. People have been duped in so many different ways to believe something that just isn't true. They've been so easily misled. And, uh, and you know, if that weren't such a, a, a reality, I, I probably would have laughed a little bit harder when I read this story. But there are so many people that just 
close their eyes to reality and just don't know or just accept whatever they're told. Um, it reveals how simple and foolish people, that story does, uh, how simple and foolish people can be. In the book of Proverbs, Solomon uses a specific word to contrast people who are simple or foolish with another type people. It's found in Proverbs chapter 14 and in verse 8. Someone read that verse for me, would you? Okay, so what is the word that God uses? What is the word that God uses to compare to or contrast with the simple or the foolish? Uh, this is not a trick question. It's in the verse. And you, you look at the notes then, all right? <clears throat> you can cheat. Oh, wow, this is bad. Has it been that rough a week here? Are you there? Are you awake? Are you alive? Okay, all right. It is the prudent versus the simple or the foolish. All right, God uses the word prudent to contrast uh, one group of people with another. Prudent versus the simple. Now, this word prudent is actually found three times in Proverbs chapter 14. Uh, in, uh, and we'll get to those a little bit later on. Twelve times you'll find the word prudent in the book of Proverbs. Eight of the twelve times there's a specific word used, which is very interesting because this word is found... Um, maybe like 15 times in, in the scriptures, every time it's used in the book of Proverbs, the eight times, it is used in a positive way. Every time it's used outside of the book of Proverbs, it's used in a negative way. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Uh, so what does it mean to be prudent and what can we learn from what Solomon has to share about this? So let me just share a little bit more about the word, which is, I said it was interesting. Uh, it's used positively in the book of Proverbs, uh, and, and uh, the person who's prudent is considered good. Outside of the book, though, as I just said, it's used negatively. The root word from which prudent comes means this, to make bare. Make something, expose something, if you would, okay? Um, and it's interesting because it can be used in both a negative and positive way. You can make something bare and reveal its, if you would, ignorance or its simplicity or its foolishness. You can also make something bare um, by carefully considering the facts and be able to make a right decision. And that is how it's used basically those two ways in Scripture. Interesting. The word is translated crafty or subtle in the other places in the Bible. In Proverbs, it's translated prudent. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1 talks about the serpent being more subtle. The same word that's used in the book of Proverbs when it talks about prudent. Job twice used this word and both times he talked about was talking about crafty people. So the serpent and then crafty people. And uh, that is how the word is used outside of Proverbs. But in a Proverbs, it's used in a positive sense. 
and in a good way about a person who does that which is right. In Proverbs, the idea of this meaning would be to make bare because you discern or you take great thought or you're very careful. So we're going to see it in that way throughout the book of Proverbs. Um, A prudent person, therefore, is a wise person, and Solomon will show us that. So since there's no real order and there's no way we can basically make an outline, boy, we've been getting into that lately with these eight words. We're just going to walk through uh, eight verses, sorry. We're going to walk through the verses, and we're going to start back in chapter 12 where we see it for the first time in verse 16 where God says, A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame. So what is the first thing we learn about prudent people? What is the first lesson to be gleaned in chapter 12 and verse 16? I just read it, so think about it for a moment. A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame. What do prudent people do? What's that? Okay, keep things to themselves. All right, but look at it in contrast because there is a contrast in the verse. You see that? We start with the fool, don't we? The simple person. And what does this fool do? What does the simple person do? Okay. You say he blows up, right? Okay, so then the prudent man being the, this contrast between the, um, the, the fool in uh, verse 16, a fool's wrath is presently known. And the reason it's known is because he lets it out, okay? But the prudent man covereth shame. So I, I'm, I will explain it for you, but I put it this way. Prudent people control their emotions. So one of the benefits, if you would, of this idea of being prudent is that you'll have control of your emotions. Fools, we're told, fly off the handle. You know very soon uh, who is a fool and who is not uh, because a fool has no control of his passions. He hasn't learned to discipline himself. He hasn't learned to keep his temper from getting the best of him. And according to the thought in this proverb, it's this. He ends up acting irrationally. When he acts irrationally, he brings shame or disgrace because that's what the word shame means to his life because he blows up about something maybe he knows nothing about or maybe he hasn't even heard the whole matter out. He has some, uh, yeah, yeah, what is the term we, you don't hear much, a hissy fit about it. And as a result, he embarrasses himself because he speaks in ways and speaks about things that he does not know because he's just lost control. The opening phrase, notice this phrase again, the way of the, uh, sorry, verse 16, not verse 15, a fool's wrath, and what are the next three words? Okay, presently is really, there are some interesting words I came up with, or came to, not came up with, I didn't make them up, They're, they're in the Bible, all right? But this is one of those interesting words. The word presently is the word for day, specifically the heat of the day, um, Now, you say, well, what is he saying then when it says a fool's wrath is in the heat of the day known? The idea is that the fool, um, well, one writer put it this way, the fool makes known his vexation on the same day. So here, he went on, he's a fool 
who, if some injury is done to him, immediately shows his vexation in a passionate manner. On the contrary, the prudent man maintains silence as to the dishonor that's been done to him. He represses his displeasure so it doesn't cause greater injury. Um, I like the way Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it until afterward. And I think that verse is a great parallel and companion to this, this verse here in verse 16. So look, the contrast is a prudent person, a thinking person. He has control of his emotions. He has time to think things through before he explodes or does whatever he needs to do. And he often saves himself from embarrassment. Someone wrote this, it's a shame for man to be tyrannized by unruly passion, which will lead him to shame. I, I like this. I saw a message outline, and it was entitled, Idiots. It's a good, good message title. Maybe one of these days we'll have to have a message entitled, Idiots. But anyway, the title caught my attention, and his first, points, his first point was, Idiots are everywhere. I like that point, too. Man, okay, this guy, he's really another attention getter. Uh, and then he, um, then he spoke of dumb criminals. And uh, he said, Proverbs has a definition of an idiot. Unfortunately, he didn't have that definition. I would have liked to have seen it um, because I, I, you know, the, it, the word idiot isn't necessarily there. Uh, the message was based, though, on all scriptures and Proverbs. And this verse made the list. He said, a fool's wrath is presently known. Um, but here's the truth. Um, the fool's wrath is not just an Old Testament issue. It's a New Testament problem. Uh, James wrote these words. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So, Prudent people, what do we find about them? First of all, they control their emotions. Well, let's go on. In chapter 12 and verse 23, we learn a second thing about prudent people. This is an interesting one. And again, this was, it kind of became an intriguing study to me because of the words that are used and because of the message and the, and the message sent. Look in verse 23. Someone read it for me. What does that mean? What does a prudent man do? What do prudent people do? Okay, prudent people, well, not exactly, not exactly. Okay, a prudent man concealeth knowledge. Yeah, I guess maybe we could say it that way. I, I just put it, prudent people conceal knowledge. What does that mean? What's that? <laughs> okay, all right. That, there may be that. That's that would be very true. Okay. Okay. You know, I, I really thought about it. I, you, you wouldn't think of someone who's prudent concealing knowledge because concealing knowledge sounds like a bad thing, doesn't it? I mean, knowledge is good, isn't it? <laughs> Not always. Sometimes blissfully ignorant is a good thing to be. <laughs> all right. That's true. All right. But 
in the sense of how it's used most often in Scripture, knowledge is a good thing. And a prudent man would have good knowledge, wouldn't he? Because he's thought things through. So then why would he conceal it? Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. Very, very true. Um, I, I asked myself that question. Why do you suppose a prudent man would cover knowledge? Um, to me, in many cases, it would be a good thing to bring knowledge to light in a given situation. It seems almost like a fool would be the one who has knowledge and keeps it in. But in this verse, it's the other way around. But then um, I read an article or I read a, a little bit of statement by someone who was explaining this verse. And they, they used the number of times in the ministry and the life of Jesus Christ when silence was his chosen action. He made the statement, and they, they uh, recorded this, cast not your pearls before swine. So he was prudent, and he concealed knowledge. All right, so tell me one time when Jesus specifically concealed knowledge. Okay, a lot of times he would conceal it by, by parables. Okay, very true. So we would say a lot of times. But can you think of a specific, a specific example? Not one of the parables, but a specific example when Jesus showed prudence by concealing knowledge. Okay, what about at his trial when he stood before Pilate? Answer him not a word. Could Jesus not have, how many times in life when Jesus was questioned and challenged, did Jesus say just the right thing to totally silence his accusers, right? All right, so then why was he silent before Pilate? Sometimes prudent people conceal knowledge. You know, Jesus even said to his own followers, I, there's some things that I cannot and I will not, I can't share with you. There's some things that, that could be said, but they're not going to be said. So prudent people conceal their knowledge. And the one who wrote the article, he shared six times when uh, a prudent person might keep knowledge in. And I just wanted to share them with you. So, so here, here they are, Okay when it's best to do so. Sometimes it is best to keep knowledge to yourself. All right? So when it's best to do so. Sometimes it's best for people. For example, um, let's say you, you, uh, you know something, you found something out about someone's health, and at this time, the best thing for them is if you just keep it quiet just not the best thing to share right at this moment. There might be a time when you come and you share it, but it's best for them and maybe best for the situation if just nothing is said right now. Have you ever had a situation like that? Maybe not about the health of someone, but just a certain circumstance and situation where you may know something, but you just don't reveal it because it's just not best. Second time, he said, is when it's beyond the listener's comp uh, ability to comprehend or receive it properly. 
when it's beyond the listener's ability to comprehend or receive it properly. Um, Sometimes you can say the right thing, but at, at, the, at the wrong time, or in a way that um, maybe you can't say it in a way that they'll be able to comprehend and, and, and if you would take it all in. So a prudent man keeps it quiet. Here's another reason, uh, time, when it's likely to be misapplied. This would be probably more in the life of Jesus Christ than any time. When it's likely to be misapplied. So sometimes a prudent man says, you know what? No matter what I say, I could, I could explain completely what's going on, but it, it's going to be misunderstood. Um, I, I, I had situations like that, and you probably have as well, but uh, when I was in college worked a job off campus, worked with a bunch of construction workers, and they were constantly questioning me about things that we did because, well, at Pensacola Christian College, they had standards and rules and other things, you know. So I don't understand why you people can't. So here, here's the thing. Uh, most of the time, it was just best to keep my mouth shut. It wasn't that I didn't have an answer. It was just whatever I said would be misconstrued. Have you ever had a situation like that? Oh, man, is that frustrating. When you know that no matter what you say, it's going to be taken and it's going to be used in a, in a wrong manner. And so a lot of times working with unsaved people, you may have situations where, hey, look, they're, they're not going to understand. Look, lost, lost people aren't going to understand why you go to church all the time. You can explain it till you're blue in the face, but they're still going to look at you like, it really doesn't make sense. So then prudent people just don't share. And, and it's just, it's true. So when it's likely to be misapplied, fourth time, when it's sure to be rejected. When it's sure to be rejected. Um, we adjure thee by... By God to tell us whether you be the Son of God. Are you the Christ? It was sure to be rejected no matter what he said, even though it was true. <laughs> I am the Christ. And then they would have called him the liar. Sure to be rejected. Not the fifth, fifth or E, whatever. Okay, when it will lead to the harm of others. I thought that was interesting, but I've often, I've often thought about this. Maybe, maybe you never have. You know, a spy. A lot of times, if they would get captured or something, there's things they can't tell. Things they shouldn't tell. If someone's involved in covert operations and they're captured and they're a prisoner of war, um, well, you're supposed to tell the truth. No, sometimes prudent people conceal knowledge because in revealing that knowledge, it could lead to the harm of others. So uh, there are times, yes, where I cannot tell everything that I know because it would lead to the harm of someone else. And then uh, the sixth reason, uh, the last, when it will lead to 
self-glory or self-glorification or self-aggrandizement. I knew I was going to have trouble saying that word. So would it lead to pride, if you would? And I think that was mentioned here. Some of you hit on a few of these things. But it's true. You know, sometimes, sometimes prudent people just don't say anything. And, and many times, or at least some of those times, people will think, well, that's a bad thing, and you're not being prudent, but maybe you are. And um, it is important for a Christian to have God's wisdom when it comes to that. But um, the prudent man possesses knowledge, but he keeps it to himself without bringing it forth till an occasion presents itself for setting it in the right place at the right time to the right man. And the one who wrote that said, the right motive also regulates such silence. And um, so I, I thought that was interesting. Prudent people conceal knowledge, not all the time, but when it's an appropriate thing. Look in chapter 13 and verse 16. And this one is going to include more verses than that, but chapter 13 and verse 16, someone read that. All right. Um, the word dealeth is used thousands of times in the Old Testament. You say thousands? Yes, literally. Something like 2,000 times. It's one of those words that's used in so many different ways and has so many different meanings that uh, the, the context has to determine what is being met and what is being meant and what is being said. The the main understanding though of the word means this to do or to make. And the idea would be that the prudent person does in life what they do with wisdom. Look at look at again what it says. Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge. What he does he does with knowledge. So here he is. He's going to take some certain action, and here's how he takes that action after he thinks it through. So prudent people consider their conduct. They consider their conduct. Fool doesn't conduct himself that way. Someone suggested there's two things you can deduce from that first phrase that the prudent man, uh, every prudent man deals with knowledge. First of all, you can deduce the prudent man has knowledge. And secondly, that he uses that knowledge properly and no, there isn't anything in your notes for that. But it's, it's, I know, because it's so basic, it's so simple, isn't it? He has knowledge and he uses it in a right way. Um, and, and boy, this one, there is no lack of illustrations for people who don't think before they act. A am I right? I mean, there are so many stories. People just don't think before they act. And uh, we are going to... Um, we're going to pick it up right at this one uh, next time. 
But uh, prudent people consider their conduct. Fools do not. Um, you know, as I was studying this out, this is not one of those ones where we're beating you over the head. You need to be prudent. But I will say this, that there's some real good instruction for prudent people. It tells us what prudent people do. And, um, and I think that coming to Proverbs and studying this out, it's a, just a good thing to ask ourselves, am I prudent? Um, do I think before I speak? Do I conceal knowledge at times when it's right and appropriate and correct to conceal knowledge? Or am I one that just speaks my mind? Do I blow up or do I keep control of my emotions? There are a lot of things to ask ourselves and to, to consider because the truth is, if you're not prudent, you're either simple or a fool. Those are the two words that are contrasted with a prudent person. And those aren't two words that I want associated with me. And I'm sure you probably don't want associated with you as well. So may we just learn to be prudent. And we'll finish that up and move on to another subject in the book of Proverbs. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for uh, giving us some helpful advice for life and, and just teaching us what um, uh, prudent people do, thoughtful, careful people do. And may we all in this room be prudent in control of our emotions, our tempers, our passions, um, people who think things through and conceal knowledge appropriately, in situations, and um, and people who think before we act, and may our lives just reflect that prudent man rather than the simple man or the fool. And I'll for your help with that matter, in Jesus' name, Amen. Lord bless you as you act, prudent. <laughs>